0: Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash Bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. I want to ask you some questions, Bob. Just give me your feedback, your answer, your views on these things. Is the Bible actually the inspired word of God?
1: It absolutely is, but we need to qualify what we mean when we say that, because we don't mean that God dropped this white box with a red ribbon around it from heaven. Yeah. And we don't mean that he necessarily dictated every word. Some of it, when Moses was up on Mount Sinai, God dictated the law and wrote in God's first person. And sometimes when he spoke through the prophets, he talked about Isaiah. We have God speaking in the first person through the prophets. But on the other hand, we have the Apostle Paul writing his epistles and Peter writing his letters. And we see their own distinct personalities. The word of God is the message that God intended to to convey, but it comes through yeah. history, it comes through men, and the facts in the Bible are accurate, and have been corroborated okay. by other ancient history and archaeology. Good answer.
0: I like that. And
1: so, having
0: said it, do you think that it is infallible, in, in its purest form, if, if we if we could read the language as an understanding, Yeah, evangelicals it's, throw it's,
1: around the word infallible and inerrant, and the, I know most people would think those... Words mean the same thing, and they probably do in reality, but theologians have drawn their lines and claimed they mean different things. I do believe the Bible is infallible, yes.
0: Okay. And I do too. And you know, and I, I know you know this, but maybe in the 1800s, we had a thing begin higher criticism, where theologians began deciding which parts of the Bible were true. And which parts were relevant. And it was
1: all conjecture, and it has never been proven. For instance, they claim that the law of Moses actually had these four different sources, the J-E-D-P. And if we ever found different scrolls from those areas with different authors to back that up, that would be one thing. But there's nothing (laughs) like that that's ever been discovered. And they base it on things like God's called by different names. Well, yeah, yeah. I have four names. I have two middle names, a last name and a first name, and some nicknames. So people went by different yeah, names yeah. in those days. So could God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, he has okay. the important name, the name Yahweh, but yeah. he went by yeah. different titles. The Almighty, yeah. Elo- Elohim is actually Elohim. Elohim is, is the word yeah. for God, yeah. and then the word Yahweh they didn't want to pronounce. We're yeah. only making a guess, yeah. in fact, how that should be pronounced. Yeah. yeah. They thought it was okay. too holy to pronounce.
0: But I believe it's accurate. I agree with you. I think it is true, completely true. Do the translations that we have available today, New American Standard, NIV, King James, what have you, are they reliable?
1: They are. We need to remember, though, that there's a difference between a paraphrase and a literal translation. The Ah. NIV, which I use often, has paraphrases in places. The NASB is more of a literal translation, and it's more technically accurate. The NIV will get into the head. Like in Romans chapter 8, it's an illustration I like to use a lot, although there's a newer NIV. But in the original NIV, if you went to Romans <laughs> chapter 8, it says, You are not controlled by the flesh, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, the word controlled is not actually there in Greek. But in the NASB, they would say, You are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Flesh meaning yeah, our sinful flesh. Yeah but here's the thing in those days being in the spirit meant being controlled by the spirit so the niv is giving us a great service they're providing a great service by getting into the heads of the ancient greeks and saying well this is the equivalent of what they really meant nevertheless if the word controlled was not actually there in the greek i would like to know that so i will sometimes use both of those translations and go back and forth to get the accuracy
0: yeah i will often read a scripture my translation of choice for many years has been in the new american standard but i will often if i quote a different one i'll say and this is how the niv says here's how the king james says it. Right, that's right one of my favorite ones because it takes forever to read one verse but the Amplified Bible. Oh, I love the
1: Amplified because sometimes (laughs) one word in Greek could mean many different things, like the word believe. It It could mean believe as we would think of it, but it meant to trust, to rely upon, to cling to, to adhere to. And that's the word for salvation. It's very important that we understand all the implications of that word. So I absolutely love the Amplified, but you're right. You don't want to do your devotions with the Amplified. or You'll be sitting there all morning and never get to work. No, you don't.
0: And you know, the first bible i ever had of my own someone gave me a good news for modern man
1: oh i remember that one yeah that was one of the better paraphrases i liked that better than the living bible which was the very popular one when i first got saved
0: and for those of you that aren't familiar with the word paraphrase it means thought for thought rather than word for word and sometimes that's necessary especially to someone who is unversed. I have a good, good friend. She was a woman in our church, and she just published the book of Proverbs. She completed the whole New Testament, and it's called Maria's Version. It's on Amazon. I just did a commercial for you, Maria, and it's street language. It's Spanglish. So it's particularly for with people here at San Antonio, really, particularly the Hispanic community, and it's street language. Now, it's not profane, but she breaks things down to put it into words of people that might not even be literate but they can understand these things. It's certainly not people who are Bible scholars, but it's a great thing. It brings it down to a level that people can go, oh, I get that now. And, and that's so fine. Are, I
1: think a paraphrase is fine. Here's where they can yeah. become problematic. There are times when there's a mysterious passage which upon better study Mm -hmm. in context and with the languages we can discover its meaning but a lot of times when there's varying opinions the paraphraser will just put their own opinion in the paraphrase and that's when it becomes a real problem
0: yeah you have to be careful because that makes
1: it a bible commentary and not a bible translation
0: exactly exactly and i've had a few encounters and exchanges with people and i say well where does that say that in the bible and they say well it's here in the the liner notes
1: yeah, well, to yeah, the, yeah. the schofield um, reference edition right in the march oh, okay my, jim oh, hang on with me yeah. for one more segment you're listening to the bob siegel show hi i'm here to talk about bob siegel's book i'd like to believe in jesus but the title itself is an open-ended question you fill in the rest I'd like to believe in Jesus, but is there really proof for the resurrection of Christ? How could a loving God send people to hell? How will God judge people who never heard of Jesus? Can a scientific mind really accept miracles? These are but some of the concerns keeping honest seekers from considering Christianity. In an interesting, down-to-earth style, Bob tackles the hardest, most painfully honest questions. Rather than shoving these topics under the rug, Bob shows respect for his readers by providing detailed and compelling explanations. This book has been enjoyed by both skeptics and Christians alike. I'd Like to Believe in Jesus, But by Bob Siegel. Available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Say hello again for one more segment with Jim Barrier. That
0: always sounds so terminal.
1: (laughs) One more segment. Now...
0: Some may be wondering why do you keep talking about the bible what's the big deal why do you keep pushing us why are you bible thumpers what's the big deal well here's the big deal if you haven't noticed our society our culture has really started sliding in the direction of well we, we use the term postmodern. in other words there's no more absolutes truth isn't absolute morality isn't absolute and that's the order of the day And I guess that shouldn't shock me or surprise me that secular culture is that way, but you know what? I've been having more and more dialogue with Christians, even pastors, who start picking and choosing. I had a guy actually say, you know, I don't need the Bible to be a Christian. And I said... Well, if you don't
1: have a Bible, how do you know that there is a Jesus Christ or who he is? Well, and as a result of the liberal fundamentalist split, we had churches long ago that jumped ship on the authority of Scripture, but evangelicals who define themselves as being Bible-believing, as remaining Bible-believing despite their peers, there was a recent survey done by Arizona Christian College amongst evangelicals. You know how many evangelicals hold a biblical worldview today? Twenty. 21% twenty one percent.
0: Oh my gosh, that's worse and than that's I out been, of yeah.
1: evangelicals.
0: Yeah, yeah. But if you they know, just that, talk
1: about people tough. who call themselves Christians, you get a much yeah. smaller chunk.
0: Yeah, it's very concerning for me. I have a good friend, we were co workers at one church, and he made the statement pastors need to talk about love and not sin. Jesus never talked about sin.
1: I, I called him <laughs> yeah. out on it. I sent him a list of Jesus tricks. talked about sin more than he <laughs> talked about love. And he talked about love yeah. a lot, but he talked about sin yeah. even more. And I tried to break it down. And, and I am somewhat of
0: a theologian. I don't know. That's my degree. <laughs> and here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. I've done podcasts about it and everything. The word love is not what this friend of mine thinks. To him, it's an emotional feel-good thing. The word love is disinterested benevolence is one translation. C.S. Lewis had the best one. He said it's to willingly choose the highest good for someone else.
1: Well, and there were different Uh, Greek words for love, but the one that's most predominant is the word agape. It was an action word, and there's also such a thing as tough love, which includes speaking the truth. Yeah.
0: So I tried to explain that. In fact, he said that, well, God doesn't choose to love. He is love. And I said, so what is John 3.16 all about if he doesn't choose to love? You misunderstood the word. You don't know your Bible. And then the other side to that is sin, and there are like 23 different words in Old and New Testament that are translated into English as sin. Every one of them is active. Every one of them is a choice. And every one of them is selfishness. So if love is to be unselfish, and sin is to be selfish, to, that's to really, really boil it down, simplify it. They are polar opposites, and you can't talk about love and ignore sin, nor can you talk about sin and ignore love, because they're the opposite of each other. But it concerned me, if this guy's a pastor of a pretty good-sized church, and he's throwing stuff like that around, and I thought, man... You need to start reading your Bible again. Not and so some wealthy. people
1: get caught up in this because they're sincerely deceived and yeah. products of their times. Christians yeah. are so easily having their guilt buttons pushed, and they can't understand that we can be loving without being affirming. They equate the two. Yeah. But I think other pastors know better, but they want to be popular. They don't want to be persecuted. They don't want to lose their tax right. exemption. There's threats being made by yeah. the government all the time to take churches' tax exemptions away if they're not willing to perform something some gay marriage or something that hasn't been yeah. done yet but they're talking about that so some of these they pastors are. are getting revelations going you know as i study jesus i think he's really all about love and it yeah. sounds good but it's really a lot of nonsense
0: yeah because they don't understand what that word that jesus used for love what it means you know they're talking about that kind of thing there was a presidential candidate years ago wound up getting elected when they asked him about same-sex marriage barry who i like to call him said well we can't get hung up on an obscure passage in Romans."
1: yeah in other words he says i go by teachings of jesus not paul well first of all he's throwing out half the books of the new testament and well, second and, jesus uh, well yeah. he was alive pointed people to the mosaic law Yeah. While he was alive, it was still in operation. Yeah. And in the Mosaic law, homosexuality is condemned as a sin. Doesn't mean God hates gay people, it does mean that it was a sin. So by Jesus pointing people to the law, he was indirectly referring to that and everything under that law.
0: Yeah, and he said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. Exactly. Mr. Obama. Mr. Obama talks about an obscure passage in Romans. Well, first of all, Barry, Romans was Paul's thesis.
1: And it was chapter one. It couldn't be less obscure. Exactly.
0: That's what I was getting at. It's the introduction to his thesis. This
1: was not obscure at all. He started by saying, here are the sins we're guilty of as human beings. And then he went on to talk about the atonement and the forgiveness after that.
0: Yeah. But that's what people do. They twist
1: things. Of course, I'm not sure
0: what Mr. Obama believes or what, you know, I remember the great interview with him and George Stephanopoulos. And Obama had a slip of the tongue, and he said, my Muslim faith. And George said, you mean your Christian faith, right? he said, Yeah, 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 my Christian faith. <laughs>
1: so well, I've heard true. a lot of people say Obama's really a Muslim. Whether he is or not, he kisses the behinds of Muslim terrorists all the time and went on yeah. that apology tour. So it doesn't really matter to me whether he is a Muslim or not. The damage is no less.
0: Yeah, and the truth is I think every American president has claimed some branch of Christianity is their faith, whether Protestant, Catholic, or whatever. Even Mr. Trump, who we've mentioned, calls himself non-denominational Christian. But all of them have had some backgrounds. They all Talk about God, they all throw that line out, the truth will set you free, and when they try to quote scripture, even the current president. Ah, uh, as hard as it is for me to wrap my head around this. But, Our current, current
1: president Christ, probably thinks the Bible is one of his eating choices in the day next to succotash and pudding.
0: Even more tragic, you know, he's supposedly a Catholic. I do not understand how a Catholic can be pro-abortion well they always always go
1: oh me personally personally i'm against it but we've got to keep that out of politics Uh, and yet they'll quote jesus if they want to talk about an open border i think jesus would have had an open border then it's okay to mix religion with politics well jim it's always a pleasure having you as always the time went by far too quickly but we look forward Uh, to having uh, you on again next month
0: and by then, I will have been to Thailand and back.
1: Oh, wow. We'll talk we'll about say that. Say hello to Anna and the king. Say hi to Yul Brenner for me. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Bob. All right. We'll see you next time, everybody.
0: The Bob Siegel Show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com
1: slash bob.